G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. It is among the most famous, wonderful, and clearly fulfilled prophecies of the coming Messiah. In today's program, we're going to focus on this as we continue to learn Zechariah. Our series is entitled, The Coming King. Understanding the Book of Zechariah, a verse-by-verse commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We are going to be looking at Zechariah 9, which has one of the most famous, thrilling, and fulfilled prophecies of the coming Messiah. And in it, what we're going to see is the situation for all involved, Israel and the nations, is win 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 after all when you've been on a losing streak then winning is like life from the dead think of sport be it in australia with afl or the united states with nfl when a team goes through a losing streak it's very very depressing for the players and for the fans and for the club but if they make a turnaround and all of a sudden they go from losing to winning it is utterly invigorating Well, if that's how it is in sport, let me tell you, in full life, it is amazing because God is the God of the comeback. When people recognize the way they've been going is wrong and bad, and they turn to God, he takes their losing streak and turns it into win-win. You may be on a losing streak yourself, friend, or you know others who are. Just remember, Bring God into the picture. Do things on His term. Say yes to His Word, yes to His Gospel, yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus, the great Redeemer, knows how to make winners of any loser. He Himself seemed to be a loser when the tide turned against Him. He was rejected. He was arrested, condemned, executed. I mean, that would seem like a losing streak, especially because He was 100% innocent, but All was vindicated by the power of God and the resurrection from the dead. And as a result, we are all the better off because of it. Let me read to you that key verse. The whole passage comes from Zechariah 9, verses 9 to 17. And it simply reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's Zechariah 9.9. This, of course, was fulfilled when Jesus Christ entered into Jerusalem on a donkey 
what we call his triumphal procession, otherwise known as Palm Sunday. We actually take tours there all the time, go from the top of the Mount of Olives to the valley bottom of Jehoshaphat. It's a great walk, not that long, but very steep. And there we're reminded when Jesus actually got up on that donkey and came in to the adulation of the crowds, he was fulfilling prophecy. And basically with actions, far more than words. He's saying, here is your Messiah, fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and doing so with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This coming of Jesus is the blessed hope. Whether you bring him into your boat, your head, your heart, your house, your community, it is the blessed hope. And when Jesus comes, remember, he is the prince of peace. So he brings peace by defeating all the enemies and then setting up his dominion from sea to shining sea, through the blood of the covenant, which Jesus ratified, the new covenant, by the shedding of his own blood, captives are set free from every prison, and fortunes are turned around. Instead of that losing streak, it becomes a winner. Then the battle is no longer ours. The battle is the Lord's himself. He will be the defense of his people. He will save his people. And then here's the win-win. How great is his goodness? How great is the beauty of what he has done? It is a time of salvation where corn will strengthen the young men and the new wine will cause the maids to rejoice. And so this is what happens when the Lord comes. Everything turns around and it is truly win-win. Let's look now at the entire passage of Zechariah 9, verse 9 to 17. We're going into more depth here, verse by verse, to understand when we talk about the theme of Zechariah, the coming king, this will help us to see what will happen in the aftermath of his coming. Again, that's Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 17. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. For I have bent Judah my bow, fitted the bow with Ephraim, and raised up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and made you like the sword of a mighty man. Then the Lord will be seen over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will blow the trumpet and go with the whirlwinds from the south. The Lord of hosts will defend them. They shall devour and subdue with sling stones. They shall drink and roar as if with wine. They shall be filled with blood like basins, like the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people. For they shall be like the jewels of a crown, lifted like a banner over his land. For how great is its goodness, and how great its beauty, grain shall make the young men thrive, and new wine the young women. This is Zechariah 9, verses 9 to 17. 
the blessed hope. This is Rejoice Greatly, O Daughter of Zion. Shout, O Daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your King is coming to you. The occasion from turning from sorrow and mourning into rejoicing and shouting is the coming of Zion's King, the Son of David, Messiah, the Anointed One, Jesus of Nazareth. His character is just. He is bearing the greatest of gifts, known as salvation, which, of course, we see it as salvation of our souls from condemnation, and that's indeed true. Salvation also means deliverance from all enemies, and Christ does it all. Note, he comes not in pomp and splendor. Indeed, he comes in humility, not riding on the white horse, as he does in Revelation 19. His means of transport is the foal of a donkey. And there's no question, friends, this prophecy was clearly fulfilled when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on his triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. You can read about it in Matthew 21, verse 4 and on, Mark 11, verse 7, Luke 19, 38, and John 12, 14 to 15. Please note, this event is so significant, it is referred to in all four of the Gospels. When Jesus entered Jerusalem this way, It was a declaration, indeed, that he was, and still is, the Messiah. Now, when Messiah comes into your heart, in other words, you have received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and you've entered into what we call the new birth, what is meant to happen? Well, according to Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, we're told, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come to God, come to the Prince of Peace, guess what? You get peace. And you know, you can have the most troubled and traumatic situation, but let Jesus come into your boat, into your home, into your heart, and you will get miraculous peace. If you're troubled even as a believer, learn to have a life of prayer. We all are meant to pray. It's not just for some. And the promise of Philippians 4 6 and 7, which I paraphrase, worry about nothing, pray about everything, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ. So the Prince of Peace comes in, the trauma and the trouble go out. So here he's promising peace, universal peace, because when he comes, and though it doesn't refer to the time frame, when Christ comes in Revelation 19, he will defeat Antichrist, the chariot of Ephraim, the horse of Jerusalem, the battle bow, all will be cut off because basically the Prince of Peace will bring peace to all the nations. There will be no need for these weaponry in Judah and beyond or in Jerusalem. They can all be put back in the storehouse because we will beat our swords and plowshares and spears and pruning hooks, or actually we'll take the swords and spears and beat them into plowshares and pruning hooks. Nation shall not rise up against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. The Prince of Peace is going to make war redundant. But listen to what happens when the Prince, the King, comes. Where will he rule? What will be his dominion? Now, if he's the son of David, ruling from Jerusalem... You would think he would just be ruling from Jerusalem and over the 12 tribes of Israel. But that's not what the text says. The text says his dominion will be from sea 
to sea. Well, which sea? Well, of course, the Mediterranean, I'm sure, because that was the only sea that was a border for Israel, although the city of Eloth in the south is on the Red Sea, and the Red Sea is connected to the Indian Ocean. So you got the Mediterranean, which eventually flows into the Atlantic, and the Red Sea that flows into the Indian. Well, put it this way, if there's any unclarity about this borders of his dominion, it says he will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Well, I'm not sure which river. Usually it can refer to the Euphrates River, which is in Mesopotamia, or it can refer to the Nile River. But regardless of which river, it says he's going to rule to the ends of the earth. Now, some people may want to spiritualize it or take this as an allegory, but I think we should just take the plain meaning of the text. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, declares Psalm 24, verse 1. So therefore, we think that he actually wants to rule the whole earth. And you know what? Despite many human attempts by megalomaniac dictatorial leaders to conquer and rule the whole earth, all of them that have tried have all failed as well. Every single one of them. Even Antichrist will fail. It will seem like he's ruling the whole earth. If he does, it'll be so temporal as, well, to be laughable, because there will be civil wars if he is indeed ruling the earth, or wars if he has rebellious colonies during the tribulation period. But with the coming king, the real Christ, not the Antichrist, the false Christ, the counterfeit Christ, he's going to rule and have peace, because when he rules, it'll be with a rod of iron, putting down all rebellion. Zechariah 9.11, and for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Biblical and other ancient covenants were ratified by the shedding of blood. For example, contrast Exodus 24, verse 6 and onward, to Matthew 26, verse 28. And the waterless pit was probably what we would call a dry cistern. You may not be familiar with cisterns, but they are like a man-made well that collects the rainwater and stores it, oftentimes for a year or more. So it's one means of conserving water, especially in places that don't have a lot. When the cistern is no longer usable for water storage, it does serve as a very effective prison. And Jeremiah was one of those prisoners that was uh, imprisoned in Jeremiah chapter 38 and verse 6. In fact, if Eben Melech the Ethiopian didn't rescue Jeremiah, the prophet would have faced a sure death. Now, What we're learning here is when Messiah comes, because of the blood of the covenant, he will set the prisoners free from the waterless pit. And you know, if you feel that you're in bondage due to sin or offense or maybe some kind of a curse or whatever it is, just remember, let the King of Glory, the Prince of Peace, come into your life and you will have peace and he will deliver you from the prison. But we are also reading about prisoners of hope in Zechariah 9 and verse 12. Zechariah 9 and 12, behold or return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. This is actually good news. What God is saying is initially to the exiles or the dispersed of Israel, but ultimately to everyone that you have suffered much when you come to Messiah. And when Messiah comes to you, you will have your fortunes restored 
double fold. That is amazing. Instead of being rejected, ejected, stripped of resource, in exile, in bondage, now you're brought back to a place of freedom, you're brought home, and everything you lost, God will restore double. Sounds almost like the fortunes of Job that were restored after his suffering. Zechariah 9.13, changed fortunes. What are the changed fortunes? The Israelites will be like weapons of war. Judah is bent like a bow, as with Ephraim, and as also as a mighty man. So you don't need to worry about mighty men, bows, arrows, or anything else. Not when God is in the picture. The people of Zion will confront the sons of Greece. That can mean Greece itself, or it can mean the Gentiles and the nations, of which Greece is clearly the leader as the founder of Greco-Roman history and culture, which is the foundation of Western civilization. One commentator said that this was fulfilled in 479 BC, when Greece defeated Persia, the Persian king was Xerxes. It could have actually been the same king who was the husband of the Jewish queen of Persia, Esther, 479 BC. And when Greece defeated Persia, it gained heightened stature. And of course, by then were coming the great Greek philosophers, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, and so on. Then other commentators also talk about that the fulfillment of this prophecy, the changed fortunes, where Greece is defeated by the sons of Zion, happened in 168 BC. The defeat of Antiochus Epiphanes, when he wanted to impose his uh, reign of terror on the Jewish people. Now, this is not in the Protestant Bible. It's in an apocryphal book called First Maccabees, where Israel was having its worship in the temple and the sacrifice of sheep and goats supplanted by the worship, not of God, but of Antiochus Epiphanes, and that the sacrifice would be swine on the high altar, which of course is a sacrilege of the highest order. This spawned the Maccabean revolt, and of course the rest is history. Now we've got verses 14 and onward. It is not just Judah and Ephraim who will put up a good fight. It is the Lord himself who will be seen over them, and God's arrows will go forth as lightning, and not only that, he will blow the trumpet and go as a whirlwind, because God will be our defense. Zechariah 9.15, he will defend his people as they devour, subdue with sling stones, and show great strength in the face of their enemies. This is the loser becoming the winner. And then God will save his people, Zechariah 9.16, and this is the promise to Israel, which she has waited for a long time. God will save them as a shepherd saves his flock. They will be as precious stones of a crown of his and an ensign on his land. This dejected, dispirited people will be saved and exalted by God, their Savior. And remember, it's win-win. Zechariah 9.17, how great is its goodness and beauty, a reflection of God himself. In this time of salvation, grains will strengthen the young men, and new wine will rejoice the hearts of the maiden. Now, our lesson is win-win, the king is coming. Our lesson for life is welcome the Prince of Peace into your life, and you will have victory and peace forevermore. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles of 
the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the coming King, fulfilled prophecy, peace taking over from war, victory and overcoming to that of defeat and dejection, and Lord, joy and strength where there was mourning and weakness. All these wonderful things come through our Redeemer, our Savior, and our King, Jesus Christ. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.